There we go. It was green. Oh, it's going. It's red. It's red. We're recording. We're we recording. are recording now. Yeah, we got border waiting. Scott Steinlage, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. What's going on? This is an interesting FS Jam episode. This is the very first FS Jam episode ever recorded in person. And it's not only that, we also have another guest here, my business co-founder, Will Diaz from Everfund. Hey, I'm here. Nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah. We're all staring at each other's pupils of each other's eyes, you know, after a long 18-hour flight. <laughs> this is literally the first time Chris and I have ever been in the same physical space literally. together. So for I didn't know Anthony had legs. <laughs> for long-time listeners, this is going to be a treat. <laughs> This is a treat for not only are we in the same room, Chris got up at five o'clock in the morning, UK time, and has took over 14 hours of flights. Like 24 hours now. Yeah, it's more like 23 hours of being awake to record this very special episode. Very special it shall be. Very special. And we also got Will, who is just hanging out with us. Yeah, I'm just here. You know, I talk about our experiences. We'll see what happens. We'll see what goes with the road. We have the maestro of the Mike Deck himself, Scott. Yes, thank you. Yes, Scott, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Where do you work and what is your job? Sure. I work for Limelight Networks and I'm the technical community manager. To just kind of spell that out, I help to create and manage the community within the development area of, you know, engineers and coding and all that and try and just, uh, you know, create some relationships with people and grow from there. So so would you say you do DevRel? You know, it's funny. You would say that, <laughs> right? Vibe. It kind of has those vibes, right? But I don't think I could call myself that because I don't code as much as I should so, probably. So you feel that. you have some imposter syndrome around calling yourself DevRel? Oh, heck yeah. For sure. I think that you should feel free to let your DevRel flag fly because yeah. I do DevRel. Like, I'm the DevRel king over here. You need to uh, <laughs> yes. align yourself to one true lord, the TypeScript. <laughs> the TypeScript. DevRel is a huge bucket. And I think what you do is undoubtedly DevRel and not coding. I don't think it is a good reason to not call yourself DevRel. I think that a DevRel person should have some sort of technical knowledge. And I know you are not code illiterate. You could write some HTML, CSS, yeah, blah, like, blah, 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 but yeah. You could make a website. You yes. could deploy something to Netlify. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's all you really need. Like if you want to do DevRel, like you get a website on Netlify. Like you're DevRel, bro. All right, then. I guess we'll call me DevRel then. You did get hired at a company, so you must be doing something right. That's true. Will, what is your title and what do you do? You can call me co founder of Everfund. Technically, the chief operating officer. Co founded Everfund with Chris uh, a number of years ago. Met about eight years ago now, Chris, when we started college, eight university, whatever, what do you want to call it? And, so uh, your besties. Yeah. And I wouldn't we, say besties. I think our partners acquaintances. would say we're very tightly bound, but not by love, by passion <laughs> of a child of non-biology. <laughs> Sounds like you and me and FS Jam. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I'm a father of many, many, many things. The first child we made was after we left university. Thought it was a good idea to just start a startup. Didn't know the hell we were doing. Ended up being Everfund, and we're working on that today. Just a quick intro to Everfund, if nobody knows. We're a donation platform made for modern nonprofits. Yeah, we, we got this um, web developer flair to it to give nonprofits a lot more flexibility with uh, sort of headless tools. And yeah, it's 
It's good. It's great fun. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that. Maybe we will. We don't know where this episode is going. To give some context for the listeners, we're all here for a remix conf. We're going to be recording a couple episodes here. I'll be recording some Twitter spaces as well. We're going to be doing all sorts of recording. So this mm-hmm. is kind of like our True. trial run, getting our recording space set up. And, yeah. you know, I used to be a, a musician. I used to sit in rooms with microphones and cables and recording stuff. So this is just fun. This is like, normal for you. This is in a room. Oh, nostalgia. Yeah, this is very nostalgic for me, actually. <laughs> How did you get involved with Limelight? Yeah, that's a good story. I'll try and make it as good as possible, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Add some flair. Let's add some flair to that. I had my own business for a little bit. My main background is like marketing and sales, okay? So that's what kind of done and always gone back to is marketing, really, more than anything. I had my own business for a while, and then uh, COVID happened and lost a couple of big clients and, well, turned into, well, maybe I'll just take a hiatus from like this marketing thing. So then I was like, hmm, you know what? I like coding. I've like messed with it in the past. Maybe I should like learn more of that, right? So I started kind of like uh, digging in and really just actually kind of relearning everything because I hadn't messed with it since so long. (laughs) I did the HTML and CSS and then I was like, what's the next step after that? Like probably JavaScript. (laughs) React, obviously. Or React, right? I mean, which is JavaScript, right? So either way. jQuery, more like. Or jQuery. Oh, wow. We're getting heated here. We skipped right over jQuery. (laughs) Everyone's got to go jQuery first before they know how bad it is. Nah, if you get into a boot camp these days, you will not learn jQuery. Like if you learned coding in the last two or three years, you have never once touched jQuery. I feel disappointed. I was doing a lot of research and like I went through some short classes and YouTube videos and things like that on, online. And I was just kind of in this like, what do we call that? That hell of. <laughs> oh, tutorial. <laughs> tutorial hell. hell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've been in tutorial hell. It's, it's a real thing. Yeah. yeah. And so I just felt like I wasn't really getting anywhere. Right. So I was like, well, maybe I just need to network with some people about this. I had just recently gotten onto Clubhouse, the app, right? Clubhouse. Yes. Not the work management platform. No. <laughs> now known as Shortcut. <laughs> no, Clubhouse, the social app. Oh, yes. No one remembers iPhone that. only. So luckily, you want an Android. Correct. And, and this is how you and I got to know each other is that I hung out on these Clubhouses, yes. which was JavaScript Thursday with Ishan and yourself, right. which were awesome and very fun and are now transitioning into Twitter spaces. True. Based on me constantly badgering you to do Twitter spaces. And, and we did a poll and many people... We're for it, for sure. Yes, okay, 100%. Good. Yeah, and it was a great weekly conversation with experts and beginners and people yep. who can come and ask questions. And it was very much like a live version of FS Jam or a live version of JavaScript Jam, your own yep. podcast. And right. so I love that. I highly recommend people listen to those. I show up to all of them or most of them as much as I can. Yes. And so, yeah, what do you find has been the value you've gotten out of doing those? And what have you learned yeah. throughout this wide array of episodes you've done on Clubhouse and now with Twitter? Well, I'd say there's several things, but like the main big thing is the fact that over eight months time, I did this on Clubhouse pretty much every week, except for when my dad had heart surgery, then it wasn't on. That is a very good reason not to. Yeah. I flew up to Cleveland uh, for his heart surgery. Anyway, I was uh, very much involved. And even when say like Ishan or or some of the guys couldn't do it because they had like meetings come up or something, I actually kind of ran it. For a little bit. They, you know, got to that point where I had trust built with them and all that. And I was not working for the company at that time either. So one of the biggest things that I got out of it is the fact that I was able to build this relationship with Ishan and Daniel and a few other people and you, and then therefore step foot into layer zero. 
at the time the company that I was working with called Layer Zero. So you think that the clubhouses themselves was the venue for you to actually get a job at this company? Absolutely. So yeah, the building community piece of it, right? The networking piece of it that enabled me to do that. That's awesome. I would love to have the ability to just hang out on a clubhouse for a couple months and then like get a job. That's well, super cool. You you say that, but Scott is your reverse. You hang out in blogs and Scott hangs out in audio. Oh, there you go. He does. We just need a third person to do video. It's true. <laughs> Can will do video. Uh, I've done video. That's right. right. Then we've got the the yeah. Avengers of Rao. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So why don't we get your origin story? Will you already mentioned it just briefly, but how did you get involved in Everfund and obviously getting involved in Everfund was you creating Everfund. Like why Everfund versus any other startup you could have created? That's the thing, right? I think you've always got to go, you got to ask the question, who should I serve rather than what product should I build? And I think that always comes down to, okay, there's a problem that exists in the world and you've got to solve it rather than the other way around. Like I've got a product, what problem do I need to solve? It's not a good way to do it. And I think that's the definition of probably our first two startups. We found cool tech and we thought it could fit into someone's problem fit. And, you know, it didn't work. We left university kind of naive, but really adventurous. I'm happy we did that. We didn't go into tech jobs. We just went went hard into it, didn't we, Chris? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I don't want to bring this down to the hashtag humble podcast, but... For two grifters at our university, I think we've done pretty well to even get halfway across the world to America without even making it technically, you know. We've not been bought by Versailles or Netlify yet, so <laughs> it's still a bit of time to go. Just halfway. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe. But, you know, when we talk about what we do, the more we work on it, the more we figure out that it actually is affecting real people's lives and don't want to bring it all down with economic recession and all these kind of things that are affecting the world. Wait, we're in a recession? Not yet, not yet. So it's fine. It depends on who you ask. We look, yeah. Yeah, and who yeah. you look. Oh, Bitcoin's down. No. Well, <laughs> in the UK, you know, um, food banks are having a big uptake and our local food bank is one of the charities that we've helped out and over the last like a month they're down to like only like three days of food inside the food bank so it's it's really validating on what we're doing and the biggest reason why this is so important and this is something a fact for everybody is that when you donate to food banks money is worth so much more than food because they can do so much more with it and this is this is a stereotype of the whole industry and there's a lot of areas that we're working on making better but i'm sure that's a conversation for another day and further down the timeline but obviously we're here to speak about remix calm from what we're doing here and when we talk about hashtag humble we decided to come across to the United States of America. We didn't fly business. <laughs> we flew uh, what we would class cattle as class. Uh, cattle <laughs> class. Yeah, that's, that's your basic, you know, basic, basic uh, as anything. And from where we live, we took the train down to uh, London uh, where we took the connecting flights. And what, what you're going to find really funny about this <laughs> is that we upgraded our seats to first class. So business trains in the UK have standard class and then they have first class. Ching. Yeah, exactly. Hey, it was only it was only ten pound per person, so it was not exactly expensive. We, we bid it. We didn't pay yeah, full we, price. We bid it for it as well. We were hashtag uh, cheap. Yeah, so we upgraded to first class. We were sitting in first class talking about what we've done in the past, what we've done to get here. Obviously, I'm a very enthusiastic person, and obviously, I was talk- we were speaking about how uh, humble we've been to even get here and on this trip that we're on and this journey. And I was projecting my voice a bit too loud, and it. In harsh British culture, somebody shouted on the train, shut up. And then the whole character stood still. And then they went, thank you. And that if that doesn't describe British humor and 
my role in this podcast. I don't know what will. But obviously, there's a lot I could talk about with Everfun. But have you got any more thoughts about that, Will? Anthony, you asked, why did we start Everfun? And obviously, nonprofits are quite worthy. But, you know, there's a lot of donation platforms out there. Why are we different to the others, I guess, is the biggest thing. But things like COVID, the loss of cash, it's really changed how nonprofits are really operating. In reality, there's just like not the tools, not the technology to support them in this modern day. What we find is really a lot of the big kind of platforms... Unfortunately, the one size fits all. Really what happens is you're making a big compromise on what you're able to do as a nonprofit, how you automate your processes, how the UI looks in your donation portal to how you're going to trigger an email campaign when someone's donates or whatever it may be. In order to do that today, you're kind of commissioning a developer, maybe in-house or an agency. You've got to build that thing from scratch. And that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of budget. It takes experience. You're working with things like Stripe. Not every sort of front-end web developer knows how to work with Stripe's sort of API and everything and you've got to run a server, you've got to run a database, you've got to do maintenance, and there's so much on top. And what we're doing with Everfund is providing sort of a new ecosystem of tools for nonprofits to really thrive in this day and age by empowering the web developer to really get their fundraising, their donation systems in exactly the shape that that nonprofit needs it, no matter what sort of challenges they're facing. And, you know, we're working on sort of low-code tools, some no-code tools for the for the nonprofits to work with after Everfund sort of implemented into their sort of websites, their um, donation systems. And and also we're actually working on a headless donation system. You know, to the best of our knowledge, it's the kind of the first in the world. And yeah, we've got some nice funding to kick us off this year based on that idea. We've had some fantastic pilots and looking forward to the rest of the year, I think. You're not meant to pre-announce products. You're meant to have a flashy uh, Twitter launch and nick ideas from other companies and Oh my god, shots fired. Well, the great thing about these recordings is they never go out until two months after we record Mm. them. It takes you forever (laughs) to edit them. But now that we got a good pitch on Everfund, why don't we give Scott a chance to pitch Layer Zero Limelight. Now, we've had episodes about both of these already, so for listeners who want to go back into the backlog, we have a lot of conversations about both. But Scott, how would you make the value prop for your own company? I would say that Layer Zero, if you're looking to develop anything on the web, if you're looking to build an application, whatever it might be, and you're really looking for some to increase your speed, which is going to affect a majority of things, many different variables to help you to increase your bottom line really more than anything. You know, Layer Zero is is the platform and the, the software that you want to be utilizing for that because traditionally you're going to see from past case studies that you can check out on our website or wherever, LayerZero.co, you'll see that we we get people down to like 400 milliseconds uh, load time, which is like the blink of an eye, right? So it's it's pretty quick and uh, it's really amazing, you know, using, utilizing edge technology. Since we're all here for RemixConf, when we all go around and say, why? Why RemixConf? Why are we here at this conference? I have any conference we could be at. I have been to now one other in-person conference. I went to Ethereum Amsterdam just a month ago. It was a blast. This is my second in-person conference and I am here because I think Remix is a very interesting framework. I think that it has the potential to push React style frameworks more into a area where they are using web native APIs and less JavaScript than you would normally get shipped to React. So I find it to be just an interesting project. And I think the team is solid. I think they get a little aggro on Twitter sometimes. I don't know how I feel about that. But overall, I think they're great dudes. I'm in support of them. Why are we here? I do not believe on dying on any hill when it comes to a JavaScript framework. I think that every single framework has the potential to leapfrog 
another framework, and then that framework that came before it will leapfrog the framework that framework that leapfrogged it. <laughs> and I think that Remix is the most interesting framework out there today that is gaining traction fast. I do want to put out you know, my feels for other frameworks existing right now, like uh, Hydrogen and Marco and Quick. But right now, Remix is the one that, one, is gaining traction fast, and two, has real potential to make everlasting effects on the JavaScript ecosystem. So that's why I'm here. I'm really excited to learn more about Remix. And I didn't get a workshop ticket, only a conference ticket. I swear I was waiting for that to come up. You know, I got a transatlantic flight, so at least could go to one out of the three days. Uh, I guess I, I can go next. Really, to be honest with you, my main reason for coming here, based on what you guys have heard about me already, just from earlier in, in the talk here, is the networking, right? Getting involved with more people, maybe learning a bit more about coding this framework in particular, but also networking, right? That's a big piece of it for me. Growing and building that community, and, well, you know, kind of shameless plug stuff, like wearing some uh, composability.dev. Wearing some It's Monday Baby t-shirts. <laughs> it's Monday Baby t-shirts. Yeah, absolutely. We have the summit coming up and you can go to composability.dev to check it out. But it's based on you know, composable architecture. So what does that mean? Oh, you have to go to composability.dev to check it out. We'll let Will go and then do his thing. And then let's get back to what the frick composability means. Because that is such a word that means a billion things. It does. I'm curious to get into that. But let's let's continue on this path. Yeah, I need filling on that too. Okay, pretty much the same as Scott, honestly. Probably about the same technical level as Scott. Yeah, I have a computer science degree, but do I code? No. You know, that's kind of... Days gone. That's absurd. It is, isn't it? How do you get a computer science degree without coding? Because I focused on the business side. I did business information systems. And the funny part is that we both came out of the school of computer science and Will got a better grade than me. Yeah, it's like that. I mean, like, it's a lie. It's almost like Degrees are a lie. You, don't need not, you do not need one. But okay, right. Back to the question. I mean, you know, the, the, the networking is what I'm here for. We're in the US for another trip, for another part of the trip, another half of the trip. We're off Top to San secret. Francisco, but we had to stop off of Remix first. I think just growing that network is really important. There's a lot of cool people with everyone we've met in this journey. You never know where they're going to leapfrog you to next. And it doesn't matter if they're relevant to you. Just get out there, meet new people. Everyone here is like-minded and they're always looking to speak to new people. I mean, that's just the type of people that are here. You never know who you're going to meet. That's why I'm here. So true. Well, I met Scott a few hours ago and now I'm in his hotel room sharing a podcasting recording with him. So I guess this is intimate. The most intimate of activities is podcasting. <laughs> wow. Your partner went to bed and you was like, babe, I need to go she podcast. Go bed. She's waiting. Oh, she'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go read a book while you go podcast with your, with your be, mates. We're going to be here for hours. We planned three hours already. Listener, beware. Right. It's a 17 hour podcast. <laughs> we had only 16 hours available. Come on. <laughs> okay. okay. We can drop we'll, the last hour. Yeah. All right. 15 hours. So. There you go. Okay. Scott. What is Composability? The Composability Summit is, is an online conference that unifies the common trends of microservices, APIs, and micro front ends under the universal theme of Composability. Microservices and micro front ends and APIs. Yeah. So if I wanted to have a project with both microservices and micro front ends, I would need to have a multi lattice connection of multifaceted. Different yeah. front ends and back ends that all connect together into one project. Why would I ever want to do that? You know, I like where you're going with this. But to be honest with you, 
Ishan might be your guy to talk to. <laughs> All right, well, ask Ishan why this we should bring this up tomorrow night. Is a good idea for a, a conference. So continue. Yeah. Here's the other thing. Like you can reference some other people that really use composable. You know, the, the word, the verbiage, composable architecture, like Gartner, Forrester, Mock Alliance. You know, everybody's got their name for it, right? I've been told I should listen to those people. <laughs> Mock centric approach, yeah. right? There's the API first architecture by Forrester, right? And Gartner, they talk about the future of business is composable. So those are some. And Red Monk is like smokestack, right? That's their thing. I think composability makes a ton of sense. I think that is a great thing to fall under. I think that combining microservices and micro front ends is the opposite of composability because that is not easy to compose together. So I think there's a certain amount of honing the verbiage around what this thing is that that needs to be figured out. But I think I get the point. The point is that you want different components that can slot together into a way that makes them easy to work with to create a unified product. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And not just that, it's more about, so it's like Lego blocks, right? It's like taking Lego blocks and putting them together to, have, to give you kind of a visual, but also it's to potentially future-proof things because you can kind of take this Lego block out in the future and put a different Lego block in. It's very, I don't know, almost like malleable. It's like... So it's about reusability. Absolutely too. Yeah. What do you think about that, Chris? What I think about reusability. It's a great one. I think that reusability really depends on the size of the company and the speed you're moving at. What I mean by that is that, you know, when we think about, you know, your core reusability when it comes to like story blocks and all these other things like that, how fast does it actually make you is a great question. You know, not even a hot take, but like how fast does writing a button component in story block actually get you? Well, actually, I don't think it's going to be the dividend in code. It's actually going to be the dividend in communication between the team and making sure components are reused easier instead of building it yourself. But how does that come into composability and building into bigger blocks? I think that we all do it and we can't do it until we have replicated the same pattern of code multiple times to know how to do it repeatable because we always try to make something repeatable straight away it's just you normally make mistakes and you will then need to recode it later because that first use case won't be the use case of multiple iterations is i guess what i feel good stuff do you have any thoughts on composability well no you will shake this head (laughs) it's not my area i'm sorry i cannot comment it sounds good (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. Reusability, you know. Yeah. Are there any other big like kind of topic areas people want to talk about or kind of get into? Do you want to go? Do you want to go a bit more in? Yeah. Like sales marketing, so startups. That could be a whole other podcast. I think it probably could. Yeah. Well, like the top line startups. I think we should speak about hot takes first. Hot takes. Not necessarily a hot, hot takes hot. on what? <laughs> not necessarily a hot take. Vegan food. Vegan food is great. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not. That will get heated. <laughs> yes um we went to a vegan diner tonight and it was very good but we're not going to speak about that i mean hot takes are they constructive criticism for the better or for the worse in technology such as javascript well it depends on the hot take that's the thing is a hot take is in the eye of the beholder a hot take i think can be something that can spur the imagination a hot take can get people thinking it can get them like maybe questioning certain assumptions that they've had to me that is the best thing that a hot take can do and i've told you many times like i love hot takes i like having hot takes on podcasts but i think that a hot take can be antagonistic a hot take can be attacking someone 
for no reason. Or it could be assuming that someone has certain authority that maybe they don't even have. And I think that a hot take needs to be delivered carefully. So I think a hot take should not be taken lightly. And so a hot take needs to be something carefully considered. Do you think you should hot take things that you have no right of hot taking? I.e. hot taking vegan food when you're not a vegan. No, absolutely not. That's why I think it needs to be carefully considered. If you have no right to talk about a subject, you have no right to make a hot take on because your hot take is probably going to be ill-informed. But if you have the experience, the knowledge behind... Then hot take away. Hot-taken. Yeah, but maybe a disclaimer is going to help. Yeah, anything that makes a another action happen in a multi-billion dollar company means that your hot take went down well. I think so. I feel like you have a hot take in mind of this. Uh, do I have a hot take? Uh, you he know. doesn't want to get the burn. Well, <laughs> I think we were just hot taking hot takes. I'm hot taking hot we takes. We kind of did. I'm hot taking that, you know, I've been up for a very long time. <laughs> and Uh-oh. I could, He's crashing. <laughs> I feel like I could just drape up on the podcast about anything at this point. And I would come back in the morning and be like, no, 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 I, I'm not drunk. I'm just very tired, I think, right. at this point. But, Will, you had a thought, you had a topic. Yes, I want, well, you, I want you to run with that. Yes. I mean, Take I don't know. Is, with it. I don't know how often you have sort of sales, marketing, operations, business, startups, sort of guys on the podcast. But we I have people who run startups frequently on the yeah, podcast who are multidisciplinary, may do dev so. and marketing. But we just have people who are like specialists in that area, though, and and I respect that specialty, and I would love to hear someone pontificate think, on that. I think um, I don't know. We could probably point towards sort of. A non-technical co-founder, non-technical role, non-technical manager, whatever you want to call them, in a tech company. How does that kind of look? What what you got to do? How's your role sort of fall in? Now, I think from my point of view, what I've got to do is is really understand benefits. Focus on the benefits versus cost. Versus cost versus features versus what the hell is this tech doing? What does this code do? Although you know, I think at least from my computer science course, maybe you can just call it computing course, whatever. I can recode. I know what it does. I used to write in years one and two, but dropped it in third. So you're saying you could fizz buzz? I could. Is it buzz fizz? Fizz buzz. Well, it's definitely fizz buzz because fizz is three and buzz is five and fizz buzz is 15. Would that get you through an interview at Google? Incorrect. Mm. But I, I think as long as you have like, I think this is probably the right word, passion for technology. And, and just understanding the benefits of what it's actually going to deliver to, you know, a developer or that business that's the end user, you absolutely have a place in a tech company. Not only do you have a place, you have a crucial, crucial, crucial irreplaceable role. function that will define whether the business succeeds or fails. 100%. And I, I think there's a lot of talk in startup world where you sell before you build. And I think that's, again, critical. I would say you sell and you build together simultaneously. Yeah, I think that's probably. I don't, I don't think you can put one or the other. Yeah, but I, I mean, yeah, it is the worst thing to do to build than sell. You will create the wrong thing. The value is in the mind of that end user, and that's what's going to shape that product. Hundred percent. Shed totally, some light. Yeah, no, I'm totally on par with what you're saying. I mean, great book, the Ask Method. That's about getting out there and almost like market research, but not quite. But basically you go to where your avatar, the person you were serving would be, and then you would ask certain questions that kind of pry out some answers towards what you're trying to deliver at the same time. You know there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know you're, you have a solution you can create, but you want to be able to really deliver what they want, right? 
that's how you kind of grab it, is this through this ask method essentially that's partially the way you could do it right yeah yeah look at a simple sort of a sales call you make you know in everfund i ask ask nonprofits you know what do you do for fundraising how's it doing what's what's your plans take that into any other context but that just prizes out what is most important and what's most valuable to that business that really affects their bottom line that affects the performance of their company or nonprofit whatever that's where you can deliver true value just by asking those simple questions. Really, it's going to do another thing for you too is not only are you delivering what uh, upon what they're asking and what they're wanting, right? Whether it's not profit, whether it's you know an end user or whatever it might be, you're also taking into account their emotion. So now you have their their emotions that you can use within your marketing to be able to deliver the solution that they will understand. Sometimes it's the hardest thing is you have this amazing solution and you know it's going to do well and you've already kind of poked around the market and, and understood your market, but it's like, how do I best show the market now that this is the best solution for them? And they've given you that if you listen well and if you really read between the lines on a lot of these answers or things that they're giving you, you can really deliver on meeting and exceeding their emotion expectation. Yeah, totally. So I think this is a stage where we're at with Everfund now. You know, we've built the product alongside talking to users. It's at a stage just like, okay, we've built this product. We, we've delivered on what the value is that they needed. And it's all about communicating that value back to them. You know, I think it's probably the hardest stage we're kind of going through. It's probably... Now, are you discussing right now the stage you're in, or is this more feature-based since you've already kind of got your solution and people, you know what they want already? Or is it more still, let's go back to square one and reassess where we're at now? I think it's healthy to go back to square one because I think you develop a lot of biases when you're talking. And, and often you find users tell you they want something in a certain way, but because there's a lot of different companies where, you know, it's kind of this thing, people didn't know they wanted the iPhone before the iPhone, right? With other fun, what we're building, it's incomprehensible. Yeah, you definitely our, have to innovate. Yeah, right? you totally have to. Yeah, and you, you know the value they see is like you know it's like oh, it's like ten percent better, but really what you're going to deliver is ten x better. And I think they can't comprehend ten x better until you communicate that back to them. Yes, but because 100%. it's such a leap, it's hard sometimes. I think. Oh yeah, got to overcome that. I think. Yeah, ten x the value is really. I think that's a big number that everybody goes to. Whether it's for a direct sale product or service, whether it's something that you guys are doing with this nonprofit, to be able to tell somebody, okay, and it's just that's part of psychology. It's part of the human mind. We all want value. We all want a deal, really. And whether we know it or returns, not, returns. Well, returns. Yeah, well, that too, returns, obviously, right? But it's like if this product costs a hundred dollars, and they just say, okay, this is a hundred bucks. Here's what you get you're going to be less inclined to purchase it. Whereas if it's like, okay, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get this, 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 and this, and this is worth that. And this is the value of this. And this is the value of that. But really, so that's a thousand dollars worth of value, but I'm going to sell it to you for only a hundred bucks today. Yeah, you just you're going to buy that because mm. it's 10 X, right? Yeah, yeah. Or more likely to buy it. So either way. Obviously lead this back to development, having that mindset in your development team or your developers, or if you're a solo founder or whatever, to just focus on that ROI when you're building. Nothing else really matters other than the things that affect the bottom line of your customers. Because really, it's this classic thing, you're saving your customers time, or you're, you know, you're saving them money, sometimes making them money. But if it's fundamentally affecting those three things, that's what you should be working on. Yeah. And probably nothing else. Well, one other thing I might add to that, one of the biggest triggers to make somebody to actually make a decision is fear. If they have the fear of losing, potentially losing out on something, they're going to more likely make a decision to do that than if they're actually going to gain something. FOMO. 
you're missing out. Absolutely. Huge. This new trend is coming. This is where you got to jump on. Some of the people in your industry that's going to grab this first. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that can definitely be a piece of it. Totally so. I hope that's helpful. Well, that was great. Yeah, no, that was awesome. I'm glad you, you guys got a chance to talk about that kind of stuff. It's the start of their own podcast. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, do, do you have anything else you want to kind of like wrap that up with before we kind of close this episode out? I don't know. I just want to emphasize like no matter your technical ability, again, that's always a place for you in tech. Don't be afraid. You know, even if you can't code, at least to make some attempt to understand what the product is or why coding in a certain way or using a certain framework over another one is important. You can add value to a tech company. I think that's probably my final comment, I think. I think that it's so obvious that the over-charismatic characters can stand out very easily and always project their voice without a problem and never wonder why. But also, as a co-founder, I would not be able to do what I do every day without Will and I I talk oh. I talk a bit yeah I, I'm just saying I talk a bit game and oh well, it's not that big of a game but you know if Will wasn't in this company it wouldn't be a company it wouldn't be here right now so it's all part of the journey and I think co-founders are very much a great thing to have that are very much specialized in their own area this is the FS Jam podcast and we've not even spoke about TypeScript on this episode what's even the point why are you even listening no, I, I'm like, no I feel TypeScript like, I know I feel like I feel like this is a dream right now I'm laying in bed make an episode of my own podcast <laughs> i'm getting tired 24 hours up i don't know uh, yeah. well listeners thank you for listening to this highly self-indulgent episode of ms jam i'm sure we'll get like 20 listens and that'll be it um, but no th- thank you scott thank you will i thought there's a lot of great stuff in there and then we're going to be doing a whole suite of remix in-person interviews with some other people, Austin Krim, Ishan. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. We're done.